Is there a doctor in the house? Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. Doctor. 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 And doctor. It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. The doctor is in. Well, and since we borrowed uh, from Star Trek a bit for that opening, those of you who know it, and we lost, uh, what was it, Mr. Spock, Leonard Nimoy, this this week. Uh, Dr. Batar, I don't know if you heard about that. I know how busy you are. But I, Mr. Spock has gone to a different plane. Yeah, actually, I did hear that. Uh, and it's strange because my son and I, my youngest son and I, were watching Star Trek when my wife told me. So I don't know whether they had the Star Trek movie on because of that, but yeah, we actually were watching Star Trek when I learned of that. Yeah, that would have been a coincidence, I think, on that level uh, to report at that point. But uh, yeah, it, you know, it's fascinating how much that has impacted on culture and how much that that character of Spock, you know, the Vulcan who is focused on the mind, the mental, you know, non-emotional and, and logic and everything. And I don't mind logic. In fact, I wish doctors would use more logic. I think they've lost their minds in what they're doing on the vaccine issue, but even more so. I've got breaking news for you, Dr. Batar. I, I, we didn't get to send you the story because it, it broke after the fact. But it turns out now they're admitting uh, that nearly one million children in the United States potentially have been misdiagnosed with ADHD. Now, I know that's not surprising per se, but the interesting thing is how they've determined this. They, because they admit that there are no biomarkers, there's no neurological test that can definitively say this kid has ADHD, but they're saying that a million kids have been given ADHD drugs and the diagnosis simply because they were the youngest and least mature of the kindergartners. So if you've got a five-year-old kindergartner, you've got a six-year-old kindergartner, five-year-old's going to behave a lot differently than a six-year-old. And they're saying, hey, that kid, that's five ADHD simply because they're immature. Yeah, it's it's a very sad situation, but um, actually autism is also a misdiagnosis. In fact, you know the DVD that you narrated is called Autism, the Misdiagnosis of Our Future Generations. It's a toxicity issue, as is ADHD, as is ADD, as is pervasive developmental delay. These are all part and parcel of the same spectrum of toxicity, depending on the level of severity of the toxicity. More importantly, depending on the level of impairment of the detoxification system, uh, and again, the innate detoxification pathways, there's so many of them, uh, will determine whether the person exhibits those symptoms that would be categorized as ADD, ADHD, pervasive developmental delay, autism, autism spectrum disorder, et cetera, et cetera. So it's all really a misdiagnosis. You and I both know that, but mm. yes, it's interesting that they've admitted now that the over a million have been misdiagnosed. Yeah, and, it, and it's all the more uh, a black eye, if you can say. I mean, I don't know what part of the medical body has not been bruised and battered by their own admissions and failures and misdiagnoses and our misgivings about what they do. And, you know, to see this, it's just another, I guess, step in the, the consciousness shift that we've been talking about for years, that they can't keep hiding these things. Yeah, I agree with you, Robert. And I think that over the last, I guess this is our fifth year now, right? Fifth year. And yeah, in the fifth, starting the fifth year, yes. Right. So I think in in the in these last four plus years, then we have clearly seen that the trend is more um, indicative of greater awareness 
whether or not the mainstream media wants to report on it or reluctantly reports on it, it, it clearly is the, the trend. And, you know, I was just thinking right before the show, it's totally unrelated to this, but I was just thinking that no matter what happens, no matter where we are, what stories we're covering, what's happening, globally speaking, from a healthcare perspective, or even from a political, economic perspective, uh, the one thing that I have found consistent and that I find still somewhat amazing, you know, when you experience a certain emotion or certain feeling, you would think that after experiencing it uh, 20 times, 50 times, 100 times, 1,000 times, you know, 5,000 times, that mm-hmm. it would dull, correct? I mean, it would, it would lose its pizzazz. It, it, would, it wouldn't affect you the same way as it did the first time. Would you agree with that? Would you concur that that Well, be- yeah, cer- certainly if it comes uh, rapidly enough, you just wear out the nerve. You just can't react to it. But uh, there are certain things that uh, uh, I guess it seemed to have still this impact on us. Right, and that's exactly the point that I was going to make, and it's unrelated, but I just finished with my last patient uh, just a few minutes ago. Uh, I don't, uh, you know, my, my Mondays, you know my schedule. Mondays is, a, is an abbreviated schedule, but because we had snow days, because we had mm-hmm. so much uh, bad weather yes. last year, we were making up certain patients. And uh, so I had some overseas patients today, and um, one of the patients, that you know, her, her first name is Carol. We won't talk about her last name, but she said something to me that I realized how many times it's been said to me, and mm-hmm. it it just never loses its effect. She She's a 67-year-old stage 4 uh, invasive lobular breast carcinoma patient with metastasis to the bone, to the skin, and to her scalp. And um, a year ago, she was 95 pounds. Her normal weight's 125. Uh, she's gone through two rounds of our therapy. She's back home in Florida, and uh, she's 122 pounds. She says, you know, that she she's she's eating too much. She, you know, her appetite's too too big, and, you know, I was laughing about that, and she said, no, I'm serious, Dr. Star, and I said, no, that's what I want, and then you kind of went through it, and at the end of the office visit or the phone consult, she said something to me that I have been truly, truly blessed to have heard this so many times, Robert, but, you know, Mm -hmm. she said, I thank every day, Dr. Star, I thank in the morning, and I thank God in the evening that he allowed me to find you and that you helped me, and I told her, I said, Carol, all credit belongs to the creator, so I appreciate what you said, but it all belongs to the creator. And, and you and I, you know, we've talked about mm-hmm. this before. You've, you've heard me say that before, and, and it, it's truly uh, how I feel. But she said, yes, but the creator allowed me to find you. And my prayer has always been the same prayer that you know. As I build God, please allow me to heal this person. and allow me, God, please heal this person and not allow me to be the conduit, which is a prayer that my dad taught me. The, the reason I'm bringing all this up is it. it you know, when you were just talking about where the trend is, I find that even though that we're becoming more aware and we're more and more people are getting to this point of awareness and understanding, uh, you would think that certain things just would dissipate and, and the intensity wouldn't be as great, and yet passions run deep. And if anything, it actually becomes this more passion. I've become, every time a person says that to me, the sense of obligation, the fiduciary and ethical responsibility that I have to these people, to these patients, seems to not go down I don't know why, but it seems to actually get more intense. It's almost like that poster of the chimpanzee that's sitting there reading a book, and it says, the more I learn, the more I realize I don't know. <laughs> Have you seen that? Yeah, the more I learn, the more I realize I don't, I don't know. There's so much more to learn, and it, it, it does humble you. As much as uh, you know, as much as I know, there's so much more 
that we don't yet know. And as consciousness shifts, it doesn't mean that things necessarily get easier. I guess easier is a perception to some degree of the person going through it. But we do see intensity and passion and emotion and even fear ratcheted up almost to meet or balance the consciousness shift on the other side of the scale, particularly with the ratcheting up of the fear of disease and the promotion of vaccines, the removal of exemptions and the attacking on what they're now calling us anti-vaxxers, even though, of course, we've, we've dispelled that uh, that claim. But the, the illusion of it is really ramping up because of, again, the flow of positive love energy comes into a place. This is a world of duality. There's always a kind of a matching balance somehow. Yeah, but I think my point is uh, a little unrelated to that in the sense that I think that what you're doing, what I'm doing, what we all do in our own capacities, um, it doesn't get old. And the reason oh, it doesn't yes. get old and it gets deeper, it gets more impassioned, as you just said. And the reason mm-hmm. is, is I think because that sense of, for me at least, and I, and I think I speak for you too, and mm-hmm. I'm probably any, everybody that follows the old adage that Confucius said, take care of people. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, he says uh, the adage is um, uh, pick a job that you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Right. And uh, it, it, it's one of those things that I find that my sense of obligation or duty or whatever you want to call it gets, I, I want to figure out, what, like when we've talked about cases, I always talk about the ones that have failed. I usually don't talk about the ones that have succeeded because they're on video or whatever talking about their own success. And, and so I've been asked before, why do you all, in, in uh, conferences when I'm giving lectures, especially to the, our own AFSPA course that we, when we used to have it, I was asked, why do you always talk about the failures? And I tell them because the reason I talk about the failures is because that's where I learned something, or that's where I still have to learn something. You know, if you succeed at something and, and the patient's better, mm-hmm. you got it. What's the, what's the point about talking about that? It's, it's, the, it's the failure where you're learning something. It's a failure that you have to figure out why did you fail. It's a failure that actually mm-hmm. allows you to grow um, more to to achieve sure. a higher level because you know my goal is that the one patient out of ten or whatever that I haven't been able to help figure out why is it that's where like for example the emotional psychological spiritual toxicity you know started showing its ugly head or rearing its ugly head that emotional psychological especially when I split that fifth and seventh from each other as an example well for for all growth to take place. Uh, there, there, there has the shedding of the old must take place first. And I think that what we, you know, the way we started this conversation, that shedding of the old is taking place. And I just found it interesting that even though the old is being shed and the new is growing in, the one thing that doesn't dampen or reduce or uh, become uh, minimized is the feeling of when somebody's life has been changed and as much as I'd like to take credit for it, you know as well as I do that the, the credit does not belong to us. But that feeling of when the person says that, Robert, never dissipates. It never gets lesser. It never becomes um, something that, you know, you become used to. It, it's always, if anything, it becomes more intense. And the sense of obligation in return to that. And I, you probably feel the same way about what you're doing in getting the information oh, yeah. out. Getting the, uh, it's electric, you know, the, that, that sense, that feeling. The gratitude that is expressed, and uh, you know, I, I'm I'm I feel blessed as I know you do to be able to do what we are doing this lifetime. And there's probably a lot more that we don't even know we're getting into that we have to do as of yet. But uh, if we signed on to this, we did for a reason. And it wasn't like I always knew I had a sense about it from early on. 
But, you know, I had to learn. I had to get ill. I had to decide I wanted to overcome it in a different way. And I had to learn things outside of what was considered the official learning channel to be able to get where we are, both of us, today, doing some advanced medicine together on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Dr. Rashid Bittar at drbuttar.com. Of course, we have it linked up to, in the show notes, his internationally best-selling book, The Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away. I want to get Dr. Bittar to chime in on the uh, the whole vaccine battle and the anti-vaxxer battle. I uh, need to get his comments in next. You're listening to The Robert Scott Bell Show. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Bureaucrats and corporations that would stand in the way of health freedom. Here's Robert. Just the other day, the Charlotte Observer, a hometown newspaper where Dr. Batar is most of the time, reported that a child was crippled by vaccines and was awarded in the National Vaccine Injury Compensation Court $2 million in damages. That was a mainstream newspaper. Counteract that or counter that with what we covered from Jimmy Kimmel, one of the late-night comedians, talking about, uh, you know, attacking anti-vaxxers, as they call them, and then having a PSA, a phony PSA, but he claimed with real doctors saying, I'm a doctor, and I'm a doctor, and all of us are doctors. We believe in vaccinations. We all do, and you should just get your, you know, vaccine. Shut up. And they, they you know, get your GD kid vaccinated. I mean, they were, they were cussing about this. Dr. Batar, you're a doctor. I don't think you would agree with what they said in the PSA announcement. Well, Robert, look, I mean, I'm... You know, during the break, you brought this up. So I guess the question is, do you want me to respond to Kimmel or to the doctors? or what? what I mean, you tell me. I think the doctors, because Kimmel's, a, Kimmel's just a comedian. He, he, I believe the CDC wrote his monologue, quite honestly. I mean, they, we know oh. there are CDCs embedded into Hollywood to get scripts done in a certain way. But the doctors, they, they have the ability, capability, and capacity, and they should know better. Well, let's, let's, uh, let's, Start with Kimmel first, and let me. If you indulge me, let me just start with him. It'll only take five seconds, okay? Um, anybody yeah. that says that they've already sold their soul to the devil, and so there's no point in even talking about it. They, they they lack integrity, they lack honesty, they obviously lack judicial thinking, and they can't follow a sequential logical thought process. If they would, then they wouldn't have been making those type of statements. And if it's if it's not that, then it's highly suspect what their motives are. They're obviously either paid, they've sold this all the devil, so there's nothing more needs to be said about it. I know I said five seconds, I took fifteen. No, no, you did you did very well, absolutely. It goes right right along with what Mike Adams wrote about Kimmel as well, very similar to what he just released today. But the doctors, what's their excuse? Well, they're worse. <laughs> you know, I've always <laughs> said that the difference between a prostitute and a doctor is that at least a prostitute expects to get paid, and the doctor doesn't. And, and the prostitute has some ethics, and the doctor doesn't. Okay? Now, some people would say, how can you say that? Well, here's how I can say it. I can tell you that there are a lot of doctors, and I, I don't know why I'm standing up now, Robert. I don't know why I felt the need to stand you're, up. You're fired up. You're ready. Well, yeah, I, maybe that's what it is. But I can tell you that they are doctors that I have talked to, and I'll, I'll specifically talk about a doctor in New York who is a pediatrician who after talking with me and has now been following our protocols, and he has cried on the phone, cried 
like literally mm-hmm. tears, cry. In fact, you've met him. You met him in um, you met him in the Philadelphia uh, Advanced Medicine seminar that we did. Do you remember? I do. I do. Okay. So he's a pediatrician, and he has physically on the phone cried, weeping, telling me that he just loses sleep at night because of all the things that he's done in the name of medicine and trying to help kids and realizing right. what he has done has been so so bad. And I told him, mm-hmm. I said, listen, you can't, you can't lose sleep over it because people like you, they, they're doing something different now. It's the people that will not change, that, that refuse to pull their head out of their fourth point of contact, as we used to say in the military, that leave... Uh, the truth alone and basically cover their eyes and the ears and say, I can't hear you, I can't see you, and just continue doing the same thing. Continue perpetuating the same crime against humanity. Mm. Those are the people that need to be losing sleep. Not you. You've, you, you know, you, you've changed. You have uh, faced the, the, the demon and you have taken it head on. You have uh, risked being ostracized from the medical community. You've risked being ridiculed by, by family and peers by doing the right thing. And for these doctors that have, they truly were doctors. First of all, I don't think any real doctor would have done what they did, but let's say a doctor did do that. Mm-hmm. Remember that people like Seminole were laughed at because they were crazy because they'd washed their hands and before doing a procedure and they were ridiculed. You know, look at the advances in medicine. Every advance in medicine has been attacked. The pap smear, Papa Nicolau, who developed the pap smear in the United States, around the turn of the century, or I don't remember the exact history, but I know that it was ridiculed, it was ostracized here in the United States for, for decades, and he had to finally go to Europe, and it became uh, widely used in Europe, and then they finally brought it back to the U.S. There are so many cases, Robert, I can't, I mean, I'm so flustered right now. This but I know, I know, we got to take a break, too, so uh, do some jumping jacks, we'll be back with you, Dr. Batar. we're going to talk about Texas rushing to medical tyranny, nine bills on the docket to force vaccination on the people who don't want them. The Robert Scott Bell Show. In all my years of radio, I've never seen anything like this. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Making sense out of medical propaganda. Here's Robert. And having a good time doing it as well with Dr. Rashi Batar, Advanced Medicine. Remember, if you miss a show here, many opportunities to get the archives. The most direct way, if you love Dr. Batar as we do, you go to medicalrewind.com, medicalrewind.com. In addition to our syndicator, GCN, gcnlive.com, naturalnewsradio.com, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, UK Health Radio, across the pond. I'll be visiting the UK later in the, in the month for the Alliance for Natural Health. And also Epic Times. Our good friend Jerry Doyle picked up the podcast as well. So, Dr. Batar, your words are traveling further than ever before. And I'm pleased to say that uh, they, they counteract the move toward tyranny, which has been going on for a long time in the medical profession. You mentioned Ignace Semmelweis, who dared to say, wash your hands, doctors, before you cut on, you know, the baby, you know, before you deliver these babies after you've been cutting on cadavers, right? They said he was insane. He was crazy. He died penniless. And yet he was proven to be right. And there's he, so he many. Died not only penniless, he died penniless in an insane asylum, disowned mm-hmm. by his own family, discredited, yeah. ridiculed, mm-hmm. and of course today we 
herald him as a as a hero. But the point is, this is a very recurrent theme, not just in medicine, but in any innovation. Look at Galileo, and and mm-hmm. you know the world is flat. The world is not flat; it's a sphere. But the, what they did to him, and what the church, you know, considered Galileo to be a heretic, and you know, so the the list goes on and on and on. Again, we've talked about this before. The three phases of truth. The first is ridicule. Second is violent opposition, and third is hey, we always knew this to be the truth, and mm-hmm. so we're in that. We're in that uh, ridicule slash violent, violent opposition. opposition. Actually, I think yeah. we've left the ridicule stage, and we're in the violent opposition stage now. Um, but it depends on, you know, who's, who's doing it. And, and soon it will be uh, accepted as always having been known that it was the, tr- it was the truth. Yeah, and, and as evidence of the violent opposition um, moves toward medical tyranny. That's using the force of government, the power and force of government, to basically violate you. You know, I talk about it in terms of rape. I mean, if they if they can violate your skin with a needle against your will or, the, you know, against the will, they do that to your child. I mean, that is a form of rape. I call it medical rape. Uh, Texas is now rushing to medical tyranny, according to this Health Impact News story. Nine bills on vaccine coercion have been proposed. In, in Texas, you know, where they all carry guns, or they should, I don't know if they're going to put up with this, but, they're, you know, the medical society, the medical uh, board there in Texas is known to be very corrupt very heavy-handed, very focused on drugs and allopathic medicine, and very stifling of any innovation. Yeah, in Texas, Texas and North Carolina are the two uh, states that are that are running neck and neck with that. You know, the Nader report with um, medical boards that are they, the Nader report gives them a higher rating if they have more prosecutions. And actually, North Carolina, uh, from what I understand, at least uh, when we were fighting the North Carolina Medical Board years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I say we, I mean the North Carolina Integrated Medical Society was um, was quite um, egregious in their actions, and so, uh, and I know Texas is very, very similar. So, if if only you had known back then that, uh, well, actually it wasn't legal then, but that, that you could just throw beautiful bodies at the politicians and they they would have their way, and then you'd probably have saved a lot of money in your defense. <laughs> it was made legal now in North Carolina. We covered that story earlier. You know what's funny is that the, there's only two states that I've ever held a license in. One was Texas and one was North Carolina. <laughs> you, you know, you just don't take on the easy jobs, you know? You just, like, you were born to stand up to tyranny. You know that. I, I actually just thought of that. Just not even realize that. Before. <laughs> That's hilarious. But not so for you because, I mean, listen, it, it, it's been a challenge, but you haven't backed down from these challenges. You haven't cowered in fear. You stood up to them and the bullies we talk about. And there are bullies now still in Texas as they're, and around the country, you know, based on the fear of measles. You know, it was Ebola, then it's measles, it's flu. They admit now the flu shot's not 28% effective, but maybe 12% effective. Yet you got Sanjay Gupta going, well, you know, what do you think? Should you still take it? Yeah, why not? Better than nothing. Really? Injecting mercury, aluminum, formaldehyde, better than nothing? Yeah, I, I, I mean, nothing. <laughs> yeah, I choose nothing. Of course, we've got better ways to go, and that's another aspect of the whole vaccine discussion that never gets discussed. Well, a few things that don't. One, the possibility or likelihood that childhood uh, eruptive-type diseases are a rite of passage that actually strengthen immunity, they're good for you, and that we shouldn't necessarily avoid them like the plague. And uh, perhaps uh, another aspect of uh, option that we know supplementally, nutritionally, homeopathically, minerally, that there are many ways to ensure and assure that even if you should encounter these diseases as a child, that you would not succumb and die from them. You know, there's logical things, too. We have much better hygiene nowadays. You're just washing mm-hmm. your hands, and 
the simple things, better shelter, better, maybe 100 years ago, we didn't have running electricity and, and uh, running water and uh, toilets like we have in every household today. And the, just the lack of uh, ability to keep things clean 100 years ago, and we still survived. The human race has still survived. No matter what part of the planet you're on, it still survived. So if we've survived this long without vaccines, then why do we think it's so important all of a sudden? And when somebody with any logic, if you think about this just from a logical perspective, forget about being a doctor or a researcher or a Ph.D. or whatever, just from a common sense standpoint, if you look at cancer, you look at heart disease, you look at all these diseases that have increased exponentially over the last 20, 30 years, and you look at what has been the one major difference, it has been the absolute proliferation of vaccinations. That is the only thing that has increased at the same rate. Uh, you know, it doesn't take a rocket science to put two and two together, Robert. Well, and the, the problem is, is it, and again, if we hold Jimmy Kimmel to his word, though he sold his soul to the devil, I agree, in that context by attacking these parents, these doctors, if they were indeed real doctors, wouldn't that be a place where a state board of medicine or medical board would call into question their ethics to attack families this way? I mean, even the AMA, its code of ethics says informed consent is something that they support. Whether the doctors that are members actually acknowledge that, it's in their code of ethics. Yeah, but it's the same thing like as the, uh, think about it, it's the same thing as evidence-based medicine, <laughs> right? It's an oxymoron because everything that they're doing has nothing to do with the base of evidence. Evidence-based medicine is not... Uh, double-blind placebo control crossover multi-center trial. Evidence-based medicine is based upon the evidence, and the evidence is different than a double-blind placebo control crossover trial. We've talked about this before. The, those type of studies are designed to elicit facts, but they make no more science than a pot of bricks that makes up a house. <laughs> yeah. Is a house, you know. So you've got a pile of bricks that make up house. So facts build, make a make a make 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 a make science. But you can't collect a bunch of facts and then say, hey, that's science. Because mm. that's like collecting a bunch of bricks and saying, hey, that's a house. It's not how it works. And no, so, but they do they do yell at you and they say, herd immunity, Dr. Batar, herd immunity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and <laughs> you know, this, this, again, it comes back to that quote, Robert, that somebody put down in the book, the guy that wrote, the, the guy that quoted me in his book, where I said that there are three things that I've learned that nobody has a monopoly on in this planet. That, that is love, God, and stupidity. So every time I encounter somebody who's stupid, I yeah. thank them because that means it's more love in God for me because they've obviously gotten more than their fair share of stupidity. Yeah. Well, Super Don did another brilliant meme today, uh, and it was uh, J. Jonah Jameson and Spider-Man, uh, Tobey Maguire, the picture of the, the theme. And uh, J. Jonah Jameson asked, do you know what the drug companies call herd immunity? And Toby says, what? Their herd annuity. <laughs> I thought that was a wonderful play on words, and the reality is, and then he starts laughing hysterically because they're playing us all for fools that we believe that, you know, think about this. I've got a widget, any any product. It could be a health product. It could be any product. And it's so great. I want everybody to get it. And you, you say, does it work? Oh, yes, it works. It works great, but only if 95% of you actually use it. <laughs> but if not, then it doesn't work. Yeah, who would buy a product like that? Yeah, and that's exactly the point. When people know the facts, then people would make their own choices because it's, it doesn't take 
it doesn't take, like I said, a rocket scientist to figure this out. And so they have to resort to the name-calling and the ridiculing and the comedians um, basically... It's like the frog thing, right? How do you mm-hmm. how do you cook a frog? You put them in water and you turn up the heat slowly so the frog doesn't even know it's being cooked. And so these comedians and these tactics that the mainstream media uses, it's inundating people with the same type of information. And so all of a sudden they tend to they hear it three times, five times, 20 times. They just accept it as being the truth because they don't know any difference. And so they're using those propaganda techniques that were used during World War II by the Nazis, um, very, very similar mm-hmm. things. In fact, there's a great book written by, um, I'm going to get the name of the book, um, the guy who wrote, wrote, wrote the, oh gosh, it's a motivational series he, he writes. He's written about four or five different books, but he wrote a little one that my brother just gave me about six months ago, and it talks about what uh, the Germans did during World War II and uh, basically, the historical perspective of what's happening now in our country mm-hmm. and what happened back then, it's almost identical. In right. fact, you read that story. You remember that story that was published in the newspaper? We read that on air a couple, like, about a year ago? That was published on in, uh, on, in a newspaper article, and we read it, but the original time that it was published was in, like, 1977, and it was talking about all these different agendas. Do you, do you remember that, Robert? I, I don't have a memory of it at this moment, but then again... I, I should be napping at this moment. It's late. Well, it's, it's a, it was an article that somebody said, I think it, it bears repeating this because it's very important information that should be repeated. It was sure. originally published in 1977, and then it was again published, the artist article saying that you know, it bears repeating it again. That was in 1983, and it talks about all these aspects that were done during World War II, and it behooves us to remember that when things like this start happening, we need to be have our eyes open and our ears right. uh, open. Well, I mean, the, the, the message is, is very clear, and, and it's something that we're bringing up almost every day here, that it is not time to go quietly into the night, because we know, we talk about those who were slaughtered under the Nazi regime through the, through the Holocaust, you know, the Jews, the gypsies, the gays, the, you know, the people who had mental disabilities, they just, you know, just wiped them out. And it didn't happen overnight. They first had to scapegoat and ostracize and then label and then, you know, basically say these are the people who are responsible for all the ills of society. Again, now pointing at what they call anti-vaxxers. And I see this very clearly. And that's why it's greatly upsetting to me and why I've been very straightforward in calling out these celebrities and doctors who are playing this game and not not giving them any quarter on it, not giving them any leeway to say, oh, well, I just didn't know. No, no. If you know anything about history, what you're participating in is a great evil. And as Dr. Batar says, well, Kimmel may have sold his soul to the devil based on what he's doing. Will he regain it? We don't know. We'll see what happens. But we got another segment to wrap up advanced medicine here on the Robert Scott Bell Show with Dr. Rasha Batar. Remember, medicalrewind.com. Lots more healing to go. One short segment to do it in after this. The revolution will be broadcast. The Robert Scott Bell Show. The information is so good, it requires no expiration date. The Robert Scott Bell Show. All right, there's a movie called Bought, B-O-U-G-H-T, that's playing. I haven't seen it yet. Written rave reviews. Everybody's saying, got to watch it, got to watch it. Feature-length movie. They said the production values are high. Tying in the vaccine agenda, the medical agenda, the Wall Street agenda. 
Sounds like it's really fascinating. So uh, we, we uh, sent the link out through the uh, Twitter account our, at Arsbell Media. And, Dr. Batar, maybe you can watch it. We can talk a little bit about our experience uh, next week on that because it seems to be something that's uh, opening some eyes and ears. Yeah, maybe absolutely. Hearts. I'll definitely watch it. I think you said you want to send me the link, right? Yeah, we sent you the link through oh, the the inter. What do they call that? Inter something or other? Yeah, Superdon. You know, super, the intertubes. The inner tubes. That's right. Yeah. Yes. So we we've, we've peddled it over to you. All right. Uh, hey, Superdon. Since your your mic is open, uh, you know, listen. You your passion has just been let loose on not only this vaccine issue, but the whole medical freedom versus medical tyranny issue. Mm. And we have Doctor Batar here. This might be an advantageous time to ask him another question. Yeah, well, you know, listen, I have just uh, become a a um, a student of trying to decipher the code behind these knuckleheads that like to use the denialism term and point it at everybody. Um, and you know, one of the things that I've noticed about these guys that uh, like to point the fingers and say everybody's wrong except for me. The 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 pillar, uh, you know, the the core foundation of what they're standing on is this concept that science and scientific consensus is infallible. That science uh, is not wrong. In fact, science doesn't make mistakes. It is self-correcting. So it's never wrong. It's just constantly evolving and correcting itself. What? Um, how would you respond to somebody who said that? Well, wouldn't it be convenient for all criminals to say, hey, I'm not wrong, I'm just self-correcting. Every time <laughs> I, I, I like that. I, I like adjust that. my behavior to make <laughs> sure that I, whatever I've done wrong is no longer considered wrong, and I'll, I'll change it. I, mean, I wish I had thought absurd. of that one when I was a teenager. That would have been great. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this thing, the whole concept of self-correcting, it's, it's interesting. It's, um, it's very convenient. Uh what is what does Liam say? Liam says it this way: facts change. That's what he says. Facts change in science. You watch facts change. Oh, it changed. They don't admit they were wrong. Oh, just it changed. No, one theory was wrong, so they just replace it with another, and now everything's good. Yeah, yep, that's exactly right. There, you see, the thing is that it's very, very convenient to just change the facts as they become um, most accommodating for your particular situation at that time. It's a very um, a perfect system. It's a very utopian concept, actually, and, and uh, it would be all great and sugar and spice and everything nice if the consequences weren't that they are hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people dying or getting maimed because of this adjustment in science that's taking place. Yeah, I mean it's it's a very interesting thing that I've uncovered here is I've I've been looking at how this has been structured. Basically, it's like scientists, if you're a scientist, you are like the closest thing that a mortal man can can get to 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 be like a demigod or something in this society because you do nothing wrong, you have no liability, everything you say is the truth. Anybody who argues with you is wrong, and uh, it's just, I don't know, it's just this really bizarre thing. It's like it's been set up that way so that, you know, that you cannot argue with these guys at all whatsoever without being ostracized and criticized and considered a crank or a quack, and it's really pissed me off. So I'm sitting here looking at this, and I'm going, they keep saying that, it's science. Science cannot be argued with. So 
if you could, if I could say, Doctor Batar, uh, what would you say would be the most memorable and preferably recent example you can think of where science was completely wrong? The most recent? Yeah. Is this like a joke? No. Superdome never jokes about this. Vaccines. No. <laughs> Vaccines, yeah. How about okay. it? Big time. Right. And, that's, and that's the one thing that they're pushing back the hardest on because they've got nothing behind it. But they say, evidence-based medicine. Where's their evidence, Dr. Batar? Yeah, well, whatever evidence they've got, they're smoking it. <laughs> that's well said, Dr. Rasha Batar with us each and every Monday, beginning of the week, doing some advanced medicine. Check out medicalrewind.com. And, of course, robertscottbell.com for all the notes and the links and all the cool things that are happening in broadcast media where we get to remind you that the power to heal is yours. The Robert Scott Bell Show. The Robert Scott Bell Show.